Kugler back on Awkward Silence. Hey, How are you? Hey, boo-boo. That's uncomfortable. Oh, Why sorry. would you do that? That's for the ladies. Hey, boo. Hey, <laughs> Speaking of uncomfortable, you were doing the air guitar, and I don't know if you know that the camera doesn't start for a while, so it was really just you and me, yeah, and you're just, just doing an air guitar. Yeah, it was solo for you. I didn't... I don't, they don't get to see. That's like behind the scenes. <laughs> right. It's just a little you. something. Sorry, and guys. It was awful. It's more industry talk. Yeah. Uh, so welcome to the show. Um, we have uh, Brant Tobler back, which is the most exciting thing I can tell you. There would have been something even more exciting because we had an awesome headliner planned. As you can see, no chair. Uh, so here's what happened. Uh, our headliner was uh, going to be Patrick Melton, who many of you know, a very funny comic. Also the host of the uh, Nobody Likes Onions podcast, which is uh, one of the top-rated comedy podcasts and has been for years. Uh, guy's uh, just, just a beast. And uh, unfortunately, it didn't go so well for Patrick. So here's what happened. Uh, he, uh, he's got a bit of a gambling problem. Um, as do I, by the way. I did his podcast yesterday. And um, he blames me. I had to use the restroom. He was going to walk me out. I had to use the restroom. I came back. He's at a craps table. Uh, and so, of course, like, then I, I got to be social. Yeah. So I put some money down on the craps table. I wish he had broken his ankle on the way to the fucking craps table because uh, I would not have lost $100 in three minutes. Uh. But anyway, so he's, uh, he's at, uh, I guess he was doing some gambling, and he had broken his ankles a couple years ago. And he is, uh, he's walking back to his hotel and took a bad step and uh, rolled his ankle, and if you've ever seen Patrick, he's a big dude, you know yeah. what I mean? I mean, he's 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, you know, if, I, if, I, if the line was set at 300, I'd take the over and feel good. Yes. Uh, so I think that weight came down on a rolled ankle, and uh, he, uh. May, he may have broken it, may have just sprained it badly. The reason we don't know is he's a comic, therefore probably has no health coverage. Nope. Uh, so I, I hope he's okay. He wanted to do it, unfortunately just uh, didn't feel good about driving uh, down here today. Uh, so uh, I'm all right, and, and just in general, like uh, he's still—it's only Thursday, so he's he's working downtown. He's got four more shows to do, and he's got to st fucking stand. Is part of it? That's part of the job yeah. title. Stand up. So I hope he's okay uh, well, and, hope, and able to. I hope he does it in a wheelchair. <laughs> you know what? I've always had a theory like, that you get—you kind of get one for free. Just get. Yeah, I think I would. I'm going to recommend that to him tonight. Plus, I mean, because you don't want to stand on it the whole time. So I would just say, just wheel. Maybe I'll wheel him around. Right. As the guest wheeler, so he can right. kind of work the crowd. It'd be awesome. You could be, it'd almost be like a weird I, ass ventriloquist act. Yeah. You know, work it in. He's I'll creative. Be like Penn and Teller, and I'll just be the quiet little dude and just <laughs> wheel him around. That's your skill is wheeling him? And if, if they get a little, I'll spin him if we need a little energy, or I like it. I don't know. Maybe it's, All right, well, it's probably work, a stupid idea. Workshop it. I'm sure it'll, uh, no, sure right, it'll go no, over fuck great. It, go for it. Right, not just wing Tonight, it. Tonight, just go for it. Uh, so I hope he's all right. That, that's one of those weird things. There's no calling out sick, you know what I mean, when you're a comic. Like, you did, they, they, it's hacky to say the show must go on, but really, like, you can't, if, if you're, like, I've gone up fucking sick, hungover, uh. Uh, just, I'm sorry to even bring that up, yeah. as the, uh, have you ever not? But it's, it, it is, you can't, you can't do anything. I, I worked with a dude once, Jay Webb, I'll never forget it, in, uh, in Albuquerque, gets uh, shit-faced the first night. Uh, at the bar, and then decides he needs to get some stuff out of his pickup truck, 12.30 at night, just, again, shit face. Falls face first on a Wednesday night out of his pickup truck, scratched up, you know, bruised, just pieces of gravel in his face, because, again, yeah. no insurance, not going to the ER. Uh, and, uh, and now had to work the rest of the week doing that. Uh, and, by the way, here's a little tip. If you ever get into stand-up comedy and you get hurt, the first thing you need to do, time to write a joke about your ailment. Because yeah. that's all that anyone is going to notice. Your puffed up face, your busted up ankle. I had, a, I had a cast from here up to my shoulder, a full arm cast for, well, what, maybe six weeks. 
Right. And I perform with it every night, but I immediately, it's the first thing I, you know, you wrote to. jokes about right when I went on stage. But another thing, honestly, that I'm, my biggest fear, and I fear will happen at some point in my career, is you can't go to the bathroom either. You know what I mean? Like, if you're doing a 45-minute hour set, you're, you, you can't go to the bathroom. And I have a really messed up, like, bladder. Like, if I have to go to the bathroom, I have to go. Like, it's, like I shit my pants once a year. Since I'm 33 years old. On Christmas, uh, just no, to no. make it fancy. No, I like it when it happens like in January, February, then I don't have to worry about it. But full it's fledged. like been Because <laughs> then, then you get it out of the way for the rest of the year. But like my full fledged, empty yeah, colon, my, the whole bowel. My bladder is like, it'll just hit me. That's why I don't eat before shows, but one time I know I'll mess it up or something. But man, when I have to go to the bathroom, I literally have to go to the. I mean, there's like a. It's just a timer will go off like two minutes. Right. No matter where I'm at, right. I gotta go. So, but just little stuff like that. It isn't like a job. If you have to go to the bathroom or if you fall down, I, one time I broke my tooth coming out because these are all fake teeth. And no, uh, really? I was waiting for the. I got this guy a guest spot and he was going long and and he. I was like, fuck, he's gonna make me look like an asshole. So, so you I was busted your face. Chewing against... on my fingernail oh. and my tooth popped off. And once again, as a comic, <laughs> or it broke. That's all anyone ever looks at is your mouth. Yeah, That's and then the show. I walked out, and I'm verge of tears, like, because I knew it's gonna cost me like fifteen hundred, seventeen hundred. I'm making like three hundred for the week. Right. I right. have to get a new tooth. It's dead center. Right. So I just walk out on stage, and I'm like, yeah, give it up for him. I just fucking broke my tooth. Just like I just went off about it because I was miserable, right. and I just, just stuff like that sucks. It, it does suck. <laughs> no uh, insurance. You just. You say you say the wrong name when you get to the hospital. <laughs> right, that's the that's, that's the, the move. Ah, oh, someone stole my wallet. I broke my collarbone. You just memorize someone else's details and you just put it down and then right. wish them luck. <laughs> exactly, and then it all. It's, uh, this is insider information. I mean, just hypothetically, I would never right. do that. You, of course, you're upstanding. So, uh, but I, that's okay because we got you here, and uh, obviously, you got a lot to talk about coming off your uh, what I can only imagine it was a magical week. Yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we'll get to it. Well, we can think of other <laughs> adjectives along the way if we have to bail on magical. Uh, but so we're, we're going to talk about that. And, uh, and actually, we're going to run a little short today because you have to go directly from here. Uh, you're in uniform already. You're, yeah. doing a, uh, you're doing a show at UNLV at, at 7. So we're going to be out of here a little we're early. A student. So <laughs> you're, I'm you're, getting, you're writing we'll new material, out, as yeah. I see. Uh, yeah, so we'll, uh, we'll see how, uh, how we go today. But before we, uh, before we get into uh, your big magical uh, week, uh, let's just get this out of the way. Can we do some fitter fat, part. please? Yes, fitter fat. There's the yes. there's the fitter fat graphic. Best graphic ever made. Uh, <laughs> they should use that on the ITT Tech commercial. Look awesome. what you could do. Yeah. Fat head on one of two bodies that still look ridiculous either way. Uh, so here's the story. Uh, it was Super Bowl weekend. I knew things weren't going to go well. Yeah. Uh, we had some fantastic viewers in town who uh, who were here last week. Actually, caught the. Uh, uh, the amazing Jonathan show. They even got a little extra show, um, which you know that sometimes happens. So you got to come down. That's why you got to be here. Get free beer. A lot of shit happens after the show. We need. I mean, there's about 85, 90. There's some standing room in the back. Today. Yeah. Thank you guys so for out. you got to let us know early because <laughs> yeah. we're very popular. But it's fun to come down. It is. It is. It's. Uh, if you think the show's dirty, come down. Yeah. Then you'll see a dirty show. Uh, but. Um, so they, uh, they very graciously invited me out to, uh, uh, they were hanging out at the Palace Station. True. Uh, and Right? <laughs> uh, rollers. Lucky. And uh, got involved in an all-you-can-eat, all-you-can-drink fiasco. And uh, look, don't, in, in the words of my friend Troy, don't threaten me with a good time. It's true. All right? You say all-you-can-eat, all-you-can-drink. I will make you pay for that. And I did. Uh, 
Uh, I ate and I drank a lot. I also fell down the stairs. That's an aside uh, on two different occasions. Wow. Actually, they were back to back. I fell down the stairs and I was like, oh shit, I can't believe I just fell down the stairs. I stood up and I fell down the rest of the stairs. Because you're so, drunk? Well, and uncoordinated. Damn. But um, yeah, so that's, uh, and then I got lectured by my three-year-old about holding onto the banister. <laughs> so really, you want to talk about low points in your life. Uh, <laughs> Long story short, this is me stalling. I gained two pounds. All right, there oh. you go. So go ahead. Oh, oh, oh. oh, is that, we needed that? We needed a soundboard? You proud of yourself? What Terrific. noise would it have been if he lost weight? Something tells me they didn't think it would be out. They were all in on, on, on fatty. Uh, there it is. Uh, we've done the segment. Put it down. All right, so, uh, so there we go. So that's, that's my life. Let's talk about happier things. Uh, let's talk about you. Let's uh, let's talk about Wyoming. I thought we had a question or something. We do. Let's let's oh, talk about you talk in about case it? in case we run out of time. Let's talk about you first, and then we'll get to the uh, okay. to the listener question. Uh, at the end. So awesome overall. Uh, I'll save the hell gig for the end because it became a hell gig. Oh good. Which uh, it was going to upset me, so I'll save it. For the end. <laughs> but uh, show went great. I got to Wyoming, freezing cold, landed like negative seven degrees out. It's unfortunate. Wind chill like minus 20. I got in the car, drove to uh, Leeds, South Dakota, which was just a little ass town. That sounds awful. Full of white people. Well, and I, I really I, I Leeds, South I Dakota. All right. I had to mix it up, and uh, so I brought my crew with me, which is very interesting group of people. I wish they could be here. But so we go to Leeds, South Dakota. I do a show in an old theater that's being like uh, renovated. And uh, about 60 people come. And it's, it's to help this family who adopted a little baby from Ethiopia. Right. No bullshit. This is really what happened. Right. So I, I get there and uh, we, I meet this little Ethiopian, my first Ethiopian friend. And his name was Mason, and he was... He was really? They named the Ethiopian Mason? I don't know if it was up to them or whoever did it, but... So I met Mason, and he was asleep, because he had just flown, like, 26 hours. So he just slept through the whole thing. Okay. They kept trying to talk to him. How old is Mason? He's, like, 12 or 13 months. Okay. Big old Ethiopian, though. Good. <laughs> probably, really? Probably win the Must Boston... Must have been from the good section. Yeah, that guy the, was from the Upper West Side of Ethiopia. Good probably didn't even study. need to be adopted. He'll win the Boston Marathon one day. But... <laughs> So the show, <laughs> yeah, you guys will get that later. That's fine. So, uh, like 55 people, cool people, all white people, old white people. Um, Where, was anybody picketing the adopting no, of a no, black they were baby? No, cool, but the, the okay. problem was uh, Lead had their big basketball game against the town's rival. So that took, and plus no one gives a shit who I am is really why there wasn't a lot of people there. Lead what? High Lead school? high school. Yeah. Okay. I don't know, they're big. So are they? No, I can't imagine. So I mean, so, the all white people basketball sounds like the worst draw of all time. How did you not beat that out? Yeah, because I'm, uh, I'm nobody. Right. The crowd was—they uh, were cool, but uh, the show started shitty. The guy gave me an intro. He's like, "Yeah, we got this comic dude. Here he is, Brant Tobler." <laughs> oh, that's great. That's good. As I'm walking out behind this curtain, a dude just cuts right in front of me and goes right to the microphone like he's Brant Tobler. <laughs> And I'm like, Brad's over. There he is, folks. And they're like, and he was like a sound tech guy. He just like swoops in in front of me, grabs the microphone, like literally right in front of me. I'm like, Brad Tober, awesome. I'm playing along. And he's like, the microphone's broke. So we did sound check like an hour before. Well, they forgot to shut off the batteries and the mic. So then by the time the mic, it was my turn, the mic died right then. 
So then I have this uncomfortable moment where they just hand me the mic. The sound guy hands me the mic and runs off stage and goes. And then someone from the sound booth's like, hey, Brant, just talk into the mic. We'll see if we can get it to work. <laughs> now you got to do a sound so check? That's terrific. So I'm sound checking. My, opening is, my opener is me sound checking. So I'm walking around <laughs> the stage like, this is ridiculous, you know? So then that won't work. So then they bring me down like a stupid little headpiece. Oh, thing. like a Chris Titus yeah, deal? Like so a, Tony I Robbins? Like, I refuse. I'm not doing this. I wrap it around my head like goofy, like a headband, and it's kind of hanging right here. <laughs> and I said, I'm not, I feel like I'm selling real estate or some shit. I'm <laughs> not going to do that until you get that other microphone. I mean, I'll do it, but I just felt like such a douche with that thing on. So then luckily the so microphone. So big time the charity gig? Yeah. I was like, so then the microphone came down. And then everything started going good. I mean, it was obviously not the best start. So then show was good. People were good. Then I, I was doing, uh, I do some black jokes. And I brought a black dude with me. And Just it, in case. And it was in the Black Hills. So I was making jokes about, this, this is not right. the Black Hills. This is the last thing. Right. So in the middle, I tell a black joke. And this lady in the back just starts yelling at me going, you're doing a benefit show. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, for a black baby. What do you, I know what I'm doing. What's going on? And this lady was like tweaked out of her mind. And they, so then they kicked her out. I tried to talk to her because I thought it was going to be great. Yeah. But, and another bad part was the stage was here. Then there was a covered swimming pool in front of me. Oh, my God. And then the seats, like maybe 50 what feet away. What kind of theater has a swimming pool? It had a theater and a shooting range and a pool. Okay, like, so it was a Y. You I did it at a Y. I immediately said, yeah, Abe Lincoln won't be performing not, here. That's not a theater. Theater with a shooting range? No. <laughs> okay, so that, I mean, it went good. I mean, I, I, I'm probably going to heaven for sure now. I just figure if that's I That's not your hell gig, though. That's my favorite part. Oh, no, it gets way worse. <laughs> okay. So, but it was cool. The people were great to me, and then we went to Deadwood, and it was, you know, it was shitty. You know, when you live in Vegas, going to Deadwood, that's like. That's not that exciting. I would have rather gone to Ethiopia. So, but that, that worked out great. So then I came back to Wyoming and got ready for the other show. And, uh, well, the other two shows, it was so cold in Wyoming. By then, middle of the week, it was like 20 degrees out with, like, windshield minus 40. I mean, my, minus 20. That's how cold it was. Oh. Like, the high one day was minus 11. I was going to say 20. That's like a summer day. No, so, but we just got wasted every single day because there's nothing else to do, right? Sure. So I had to get out of there. But then the, so then the shows came uh, Friday night. Early show was great. Um, good crowd. They paid attention. How many people would you say? Uh, probably like 150, maybe. Not bad. For negative 40 with windshield? Yeah, for the early sure. show. And then the second show was completely sold out. I had to turn people away, 350, standing room only, which was awesome. But of course, like I tell people, buy your fucking tickets. And my phone just blew up the day of. So yeah, I had to maneuver, and I'm yeah. just too nice. So the, but the second show became. Is, is becoming more of a party than even a right, show. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I let my friend come out and sing a song. and I, I let it. Was it just <laughs> you? Did you just do a no, show? No, Matt Markman came with me. He did great up front. Then uh, this guy wanted to try comedy. Oh, that's good. So I'm like, fuck it, go ahead. I gave him five minutes that he stretched to like 10. That went shitty. The worst comics always think they need more time. Then I let this dude, the guy, he was a good magician, but the guy, the chick that ran the theater, her husband, is a magician comic. So I'm like, all right, sure, you can go up. <laughs> then my friend goes up and he sings a song to his ex-girlfriend who's sitting in the second row with her parents that just is called Fuck You and, oh. and Fuck Him Too or something, which just talks about what a whore she is okay. and that he slept with her sister. And the okay. chick gets up and throws beer on him. Okay. The crowd goes crazy. Sure. Uh, and then I come out. 
And, uh, and it's just a mess. By the end, I'm just sitting on a stool like, I mean, balconies full, a million people, everyone having fun, but just screaming shit. Like, it's I'm not, just it's taking not comedy, questions. it's something else at that point. I was taking yeah. questions, but then someone asked me a question and people would answer it. So, But I mean, I might as well just get out of the way. That was my hell gig. Because what happened to me that day was I woke up, my whole family was flying out to, from Phoenix. I bought my mom and, and plane tickets to come see me. They had one fucking job, they missed, but they missed their flight. They all five missed their the flight. The only thing they had to do. They missed their flight in the morning, so I wake up to that, right? So I buy them new flights, just $500 more. Here you go, whatever. So I'm like, just go you. fucking Daddy get Warbucks. You know it. Amazing Jonathan contract. <laughs> I, it's a callback for the loyal listeners. There it is. I was doing a four-wall deal. I make all the money. So I, uh, so I fly them out, right? So then they, they figured, well, we didn't fuck this up enough for Brant. So then my mom and brother just get wasted. Really? Wasted. Oh, so sorry. then they get to the first show. They're all right. In the middle of the second show, I just pretty much go, out of all these drunk fucking people, how... Is that my, my mom was the drunkest person at my show, and I can just see him That's carrying a bad day. Yeah. my mom to her seat, and she's like out of it, like like fucking weekend at Bernie's, and I'm like furious, like really, mom, <laughs> you're that fucked up that you're just gonna come to my biggest show, one of the biggest shows I've ever done, and you're fucking sleeping in the middle of it, you know? So I'm kind of just yelling at my mom. So the show ends, and I'm like, whatever. So. Everything's good. Everyone, I mean, everyone had a great time. So then the worst part of it is so the show ends, right? And uh, I go, they go, what do you want to do with your mom? I said, I don't know. Just take her somewhere. We have, you know, all my friends are there. Take her to someone's house. Let her go to sleep. So they do. And then the show ends. We drink. Everyone having a great time. Um, my cousin gets in a big fight. The bar closes. So we have to go. The usual. The yeah, usual. Sounds like Wyoming. All right. So we have to go to this strip club, which is like the worst strip club in the whole entire world. Oh, you had to? I'm well, sorry it's, to it's, it's only bar closed. So we go to this strip sure. club. I have this gorgeous girl with me that I've been dating. Everything's going great. I go back to my hotel room with her. I'm like, all right, you know, end of the night. I'm the king. This was my night, my shows. I'm going to get laid. <laughs> I go to open the door. It won't open. I'm like, fuck, I got to go down to the lobby. I go down to the lobby. I'm like, hey, can you redo my key? And they're like, oh, your mom's in your hotel room. And I'm oh, like, no. mom, out of everything. I thought the sound guy checked in as you. That was my theory, that the sound so guy I'm said, I'm ready Brad to fuck. And so I go back up to my room, and my mom's fucking passed out in my room in the bed next to my bed. Well, I mean, well, she's probably not going to wake up. You know what happened, of course. In one of the weirdest moments of my life, I'm having sex. No, you didn't. <laughs> Shut up, Brant. This, this show is over. In one of the weirdest moments of my life, I'm having sex in the other bed, and my mom's in that bed, but my mom's kind of snoring. But it's the weirdest predicament of looking over at your mom to make sure she's not waking up, but not looking so much that you lose your boner. So it was the weirdest, quietest. I, I don't even know what that line is. Like, what's, what's the, what's the, hell, how long do you stare at your mom before losing your boner? That was the line I was, that's what I was debating. Like, I would look over and then she'd be snoring and I'd be like, yes. And then the girl would look at me like, stop looking over there. And then I'd be like, well, we kind of have to look over there. What's worse? What do we, we don't want her to wake up or whatever. So and, your mom, yeah, I mean, look, worst so case then, scenario, your mom so watches then, uh, your So we had really quiet, great sex and uh, my mom never woke up and then, so we tried it again in the morning, and she didn't wake up then either. Really? So I feel we, like you pushed it in the morning. I'm no, we gonna... did kind of push it in the morning, yeah. but we did. Uh, it was, and I told all my friends, and I say they're like, "You did." I was like, in hindsight, 
I probably wasn't the best idea, but I was drunk and horny, and we were just like, I was ready. I'd just flown back. I was waiting to have sex for, you know, all day, so. Waiting to have sex all day? I'm sorry. So then, uh, so that was kind of like, it wasn't even the gig wasn't that bad. It was just my mom made it a hell day gigish. I'm sorry to hear that. What the fuck? I know. It's a weird Who story. are you, Brant Tobler? Um, I'm just a regular dude. But, <laughs> Shut uh, up. No, you're not. I got new shirts. The shirts sold good. CDs sold. Yeah. I, I got shirts, so I should have. Um, one. I actually want to talk, so let's talk a little bit on, on the business side. So I know yeah. that you rented out the theater, you rented out the bar, so you, you essentially had it set up that you laid out all the cost, yeah. and, and you, you stood to either you know, make all the money or lose your ass. It sounds like it went well. Yeah, it no, like I, made, I, made, I made good money. You know, I, uh, I mean, I had to spend a lot of expenses. I'm still learning. Right. Like, I, I didn't set aside like an extra $800 for my family and shit like that, right. you know, but. We call those incidentals. Yeah. So, Drunken uh, mother. But as far as like the flight. tickets, tickets were great. And I used this brownpapertickets.com that I learned from Stanhope, which is great. And that's the one thing that if you're going to produce a show, I, this is the advice Stanhope gave me, put the shit online because then if they buy it, if they show up or not, who cares? You have the money. Yeah. Well, how and did that's you, been the case. So I know that obviously you have a, a big uh, support system mm -hmm. in Wyoming. But that's a lot of people. So you're talking somewhere between you know four or five hundred people come out between the two shows. How how'd you how'd you pull that big of a crowd? Well, it's just they're very loyal, and uh, and I didn't do any promotion really, just Facebook because right. I knew that second show would sell out, and and I didn't set it up that good because the first show almost runs into the second show. You have to get the first crowd out of the theater and then get the drunk crowd in. So I wasn't that aggressive as selling the first show, but uh, to be honest, it's just my friends in Wyoming are just so loyal, and, uh, and they told everyone they knew. And so then, but but this is like the this is like the fifth Cheyenne show I've done, and like I said, now it's become more of like a party. It's right. like if you're not there, you're an asshole. It doesn't, you know, everyone, because then people, you know, 350 people come, and then we we're turning people away. So all those people next year. We'll make sure they come, and then all the people that came this year had a great time, and they'll come. So it just kind of keeps building on. I put on a great show, and it's just become like kind of trendy. Right. It's like the, I mean, it's Cheyenne. Right. There's not a lot to do, so I do a show once a year, and it's just grown and grown to that. Everyone looks forward to. This is how small town it is. Everyone comes to my show, and everyone goes to this bar the night before Thanksgiving because that's when everyone comes home. That's like right. the two big events in Cheyenne. That's pretty, that's so pretty good. It's really, if it's, you're one of the two big it's events, awesome in Cheyenne. for me. And it's just odd. The people are so amazing and supportive, and I, I can't thank Cheyenne enough. Everyone is so good to me there. I mean, all my friends do everything for me. They treat me like I'm a celebrity, which I'm not. But I mean, I go out. That's why I like to go there. I go out and I don't pay for a drink ever. People right. really think I'm somebody important. I got them tricked. <laughs> no, in Cheyenne, I believe that you are extremely important. So but it's, when just, you, it's just gaining momentum, you know. But when you do something that big, like, and even though obviously, like, a big part of it's because you're in Cheyenne, but like right after that, don't you feel like I could, do, I could take this shit other places? Like uh, that, that has to go into your head, though. Yeah, but I'm realistic. I know. I mean, I came off like a dickhead to a bar owner there because she was like, "Hey, we'd like to do a comedy show." And I was like, "You pulled the Do you know who I am?" No, I just go. I just said, "There's no you. way you could afford me." Oh. And she took it. But but wow. But and but then I excuse me, no, Brant no, motherfucking no, no, no. Tobler. But then I explained it. I, then I explained it. If you lived anywhere else in the world, I would gladly do it for two hundred dollars. But you, I can't work Not for two hundred dollars here. here where I make ten thousand. Right. But I guess she took it. Like, but that's the thing. I know I can't. No one will come see me anywhere else. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So I'm just very lucky to have that built-in like 10,000 a year I can count on, and hopefully growing and growing. Yeah. The more I'm learning and uh, and uh, doing it, but uh, I no, I would. Uh, that's my goal, though. I'd love to be at that point where you go do theaters like that. 
you know, I mean, it's only a 350-seat theater, but at 20 bucks a ticket, and then you sell merch, and I mean, that's still yeah. like a $7,000 night, you know? And yeah. sounds, sounds pretty good. Uh, go ahead, Scott. What so, uh, first of all, the concept of Toblerfest is huge <laughs> on the Toblerfest. chat now. Toblerfest. My question is, um, <clears throat> from a cash flow perspective, did you have to put all the money up front, or was anything paid after the fact? No, everything. That's the great part about it. I mean, I, mean, I rent the room. I rent this great historic theater that's been there over 100 years, just amazing theater. I mean, I rent it for cheap. I, I only have to really put down, like, the deposit and, like, 10% of what it costs to rent. And then uh, I hire a couple ushers, and, uh, and that's it, really. I mean, the expenses are, my expenses are flying the comics out, but I got... Out, out the door, would you lay out, just out of curiosity? Oh, I probably, well, I mean, I got hotel rooms for free. I got stuff like that, but I mean, I flew Markman and his wife out, got them a hotel room. Uh, then I, I rented the the theater for the for 24 hours, which was like 600 bucks. Oh my God! Um, I know. Are you it's kidding like, me? Great. Welcome to Cheyenne. Yeah. Jesus well, I Christ! I don't want to even talk about it. It's like a secret. I don't want everyone to know. I mean, it's like a gold mine. But yeah. so I mean, and I sold tickets for 20 bucks a pop. So I mean, it's like, uh, but I mean, out of pocket, I was probably. Well, with my mom and stuff, probably like fifteen hundred. That's ridiculous. But I sold like five hundred tickets and the, I sold some merch and they they wouldn't. I couldn't get a piece of the bar for for reasons for like it's for whatever rules or laws they have. But the 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 bar that catered it didn't for they, me. Did they do it for free then? I mean, yeah, yeah, they did it for they free. Just, and then the whole time I was there, they took care of my tab every single night. So. Which, I mean, that's got to be a dent. Yeah, so also. then I could just go. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so, that, I mean, that's just like money anyway, because right. we'd go to the bar every night anyway. Right. So I'd wake up, I'd go there and eat lunch and get some beers, and then throughout time, by the end of the night, I'd have 20 people with me. Right. I'd run a tab, and they just, so, I mean, that's just money, you know. So it's good. I'm learning each time. The first time I rented a big hotel <laughs> banquet room for 500 bucks. That would have set like 500, and I set it for 500, and I had like 87 people show up. But even still, when you're renting a but room for 500 dollars, yeah. if you sell, it's so easy to cover that. I mean, that's what 20 tickets, or well, like let's say let's say I rent a room. I mean, 20 20 bucks a ticket, 50 tickets, that's a thousand dollars. If yeah. I rent a room for 500, right. and this is a nice big Holiday Inn banquet room. Yeah. Wait, I mean, I had cocktail waitresses. I had. Uh, Pre-made shots, everything's, and everyone wants to be a part of it now because there's money to be made, you know what I mean? So, so now you got bars people approaching are, yeah, you. Yeah, so, you got people approaching you. You know, it's but it's like game. we always say, you should, you should run your own show if you can build that fan base, you know what I mean? I'm lucky to have amazing fans right there. Right. And I'm hoping if I left here, I could come back and do it here, maybe just the relationships I've built over 10 years and people are loyal, but I mean, I've hung around with like famous, famous comedians and that's the biggest thing that I've picked up is they are very good to their fans. And that, I mean, it's Dane or any of these guys. I, when I went and saw Gabriel Iglesias uh, the other day, he did a free show for his fans, and they, they lined up outside at like uh, 3 in the morning, and we went up there with Gabe, and he brought donuts, t-shirts, beanies, DVDs, took a picture with every single fan, signed their autographs, then after the show, he took a picture with every single fan, and that's how you, you just got to treat your fans yeah. good. Uh, Gaffigan did the same thing. But they're also genius. They take a picture with every single fan, and they take it right next to their merch table. So they right. sell that's that exactly. merch, so and, then you just, get, yeah. and then you pick up your, your photo online. and just. But that's, I mean, that's what I would say to people. Produce your own shows and just treat your fans good. And, did you pay any of the talent besides yourself? 
Do I, yeah, yeah. I uh, I paid the feature. I gave him a hundred bucks a show. I give Markman, you know, I give Markman more money just because he's my friend. And then I let the dudes, I let two guys do guest spots just, uh, and I let my best friend sing because he, I told him, well, he said if I sell 25 tickets, will you let me sing? <laughs> so I said, yeah, it's, you know, it's 500 bucks. Go ahead. It sounds like that guy needed that. Yeah. Well, uh, it was great. I mean, he, it was like his, it was actually, I was back there. It was like one of those things when it's your best friend, you kind of have to let him. I had to let him. But, and I told him, I think you're going to fuck up my show, but, <laughs> but it turned out great. So There it is. So there it is. Toblerfest, everybody. Toblerfest. Huge success. All right. I know you got to get out of here in a few, but uh, we did have one question that came in from, uh, I know a loyal fan of the network. Uh, is it Malia? What's her name? Uh, Malia. Malia. My mistake. Sorry, Malia. So Malia uh, put up a, a link. And this, uh, this happened a, a couple of years ago, but um, oh. uh, it's the... Um, Carlos Mencia, uh, Joe Rogan battle that happened a, a while ago, right? Uh, so while, while that particular topic's a, a little bit old, I think the topic as, as a whole is still kind of relevant. If you don't know Carlos Mencia, okay, uh, I mean, obviously I'm sure you know who he is, but notorious for years, even before this thing blew up, for years he had this reputation uh, of stealing material. I mean, flat out just taking it and, and doing it himself. And it was more than one person. I mean, the, the, I, uh, in the, the comedy club in Tucson uh, used to have something, uh, they had a phone in their green room, and the entire time I worked there, and I started working there I think in 99, uh, they had a, a, a thumbtack piece of paper that said, um, call this phone number uh, and uh, do your material, and Carlos Mencia will put your joke on a shitty CD. <laughs> uh, so like he always had this reputation of stealing material. Apparently it comes to a head when Joe Rogan, uh, like accosts him for la lack of a better word in LA, I believe at the Laugh Factory, comedy store, comedy store, and uh, and basically like while he was on stage, like <laughs> like busted up the show and like went walking up on stage and confronted him, and they got into a huge argument. It's all over YouTube. If you really want to see it, you can. Um, so I want to get your take on on a couple things. First off. Um, we, we kind of talked about this, but we didn't get too far into it. Stealing jokes versus just doing hacky material. Anyone will tell you, neither one is looked upon all that great no. in comedy. But when, if you are notorious for stealing jokes, you get that reputation. Whether it's true or not, uh, whether you did it once, or whether it, it will stay with you forever. Ask Dane Cook, yeah. ask Carlos, ask fucking Robin Williams. I mean, that, that, that thief uh, will stay with you forever. There's nothing worse. It'd be like being on Match.com and it said you're a rapist or something. You know what I mean? Like, no, no, I don't. That is the worst. No, analogy. I mean, like, if you're trying to pick up, if you are thought, if you're known to be a thief, you can't do any shows. No one would ever, you know? I see Those guys saying. are famous, but there's a guy, there's a, there's a YouTube video of this guy, uh, he didn't know someone was filming from the balcony and he did Patton Oswalt shit word for word. It's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, I mean, his, but I mean, you can't, I think once again, stealing jokes, because you can't do it. You know right. what I mean? Because everyone always films, and, and, uh, and you know, people punch. Willie Barson and Adam Hunter got into it the other day. I mean, people, comics will fight, you know what I mean? Well, it's because it's all you got. You can't copyright your material, and there is parallel thinking. When we were talking to Rhodes, he was talking about that. I mean, you know, if there, there's some shit that everyone can relate to, and a million people have thought of. You know what I mean? There's a thousand people doing jokes about whatever, non-alcoholic beer. You know? yeah. Just pick a topic. There's a million people doing jokes about it. No one stole that from anybody, but anyone could have thought of it. That's what I, my personal definition of sort of hacky material is. Yeah. If it's so obvious that a million people have thought of it, then you shouldn't do it. 
Yeah. Uh, but but that next level, taking somebody's original joke, that's all you have. I mean, you know, when, when you're a comic, you don't sell anything other than merch. But, uh, but you're, uh, you know, you're, you're saying, these are my thoughts, these are my words, this is all I got. So if somebody takes all you got, like that, you yeah, could take that no, shit extremely yeah, of course. personally. If you work really hard yeah. on a joke and someone takes it. Yeah. But another problem is people, the audience is stupid sometimes and they'll just, I triply didn't tell that story, but he, he was like in Phoenix or somewhere and this audience member just starts screaming at him, that's Joe Rogan's, you're doing Joe Rogan's material, you're doing Joe Rogan's jokes. And fucking, Triply, luckily, friends of Rogan called him right up and, and put Rogan on speaker fan and, and Rogan of course was he like, Tell, shut up, dumb bitch. Listen to the show. <laughs> Rogan came to Triply's defense, but like, I mean, that's another thing. People can just say you're stealing shit now. It's, it, it, it gets out it, of it, But it's the worst thing that could ever happen, you know what I mean? And that's right. why even if, like we talked about before, if it's even close, you just get rid of it. Exactly. because you, It's not worth the fight. If it's you're called not. a thief, then no one will want to work with you. Because yeah. I knew we had a guy out here that was stealing jokes and... Uh, and then if he was at a show, then no one would perform. Right. I'd and say, I'm not going up there. This guy takes these, he lived in Barstow. Like, I'm not fucking letting him take, and, and there's comics here that do, that I've caught in a couple times, like, damn, man, that's a lot like my joker. That's exactly what I say in my joke. Right. Like, I, but then once again, maybe it's not that, if, if I, that's why I would love to just tell stories about my life. Right. But that's they're all the gross. Right. But <laughs> Believe me, that's all I want also. I, I, I want to talk about the Joe Rogan aspect too, but we got a question. But so you guys are saying that no one will work with these guys, but you rattle off some really famous guys who you say are joke stealers. So how did they get famous if they're stealing jokes? Well, this is what, what Brant was saying. And, and the reason why hacky comedians do well, as I've mentioned before, is because the, the average audience member doesn't know. You know, the average yeah. audience member knows uh, who Carlos Mencia is. They don't know the 30 guys that you know, they've never heard of that might have written those jokes. So you have a wider scope. Um, I mean, we just happen to know, you know three or four really yeah. famous guys who have this sort of thing attached to them. But, but who, who knows about that other than inside the stand-up community? But how, did yeah, they, but how did they get there in the first place? Were they always stealing jokes? Yeah, but, or they just and they probably also tell the jokes better than the original person. I mean, well, that too. I mean don't, don't get me wrong. Robin Williams, one of the best performers ever. I mean, Carlos Mencia owns a stage like nobody owns a stage. So he takes a joke, and he goes up and just knocks the shit out of it. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, well, Robin Williams, he used to just pay... People, but then it got to the point where people, anything he said, people would be like, hey, that sounds like my joke, and Robin Williams just cut him a check. Right. <laughs> but if you, if Robin Williams, now he won't, if he's on a show, he won't go watch other comics. Right. Because I think Robin Williams, his mind, and he just goes so fast, if he hears something, it just comes out. Like, I wouldn't call him a joke. I think he's just a fucking amazing, well, but you still can't do that. Yeah, and he's also, he admitted it. I mean, uh, he's, he's done some great interviews on it. I recommend yeah, people yeah. check out on, on Mark Maron. He did it. Basically, like, especially, you know, when we're talking about, like, his heyday, so, you know, 70s, 80s, uh, he would go up with nothing prepared. Like, he was just one of those guys. Well, you know, and Coke. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, I mean, he would just be manic, and it's not that he would go like, oh, I love that dude's joke, I'm going to do it. It's just his mind's just racing, 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 and then shit's just coming out of his mouth. Yeah. So he even admits it. He's like, you know, I, I, it's not like I ever said, I like that joke, it's mine now. It's I'm on stage, I'm talking, and this just comes out of my mouth. And then, oh, shit, now i got to write a check. Right, exactly. And that's <laughs> no, why I'm doing guy. it. Yeah. Now, so, I don't think Dane that much. I mean, and then part of it, what... All these guys, the bigger you get, the more jealousy and shit you're going to have to Big deal time. with. You yeah. know what I mean? So Mario wants to know, do you think what Rogan did was good? Basically, yeah, jump on the second stage. Part. Yeah, of course. I mean, I would do it if I saw someone doing like your bit. It's like you have to, there's no law. You have to stick together. It's like we always say comics are like a fraternity, but that's part of it. You know what I mean? If, it's like these are like your kids. 
someone, I, I don't, I, like you said, you're so possessive of those jokes. If I heard someone doing one of my friend's jokes, I'd say, hey, man, the fuck are you doing? That's right. my friend's joke. He worked his ass off on right. it. You know what I mean? It's like you just, you got to stick to, I mean, and, and that's why I think Rogan, Rogan, uh, everyone in the comedy community had Rogan's back because. It's true. And I mean, you know, it's, uh, you could talk about should he have actually like gone on stage or, you know, uh, talk to him off stage. You know what? This is something that's been going on for 10 yeah. years. Uh, you know what the fuck? Yeah. yeah. I, I, Someone, I'm, I'm not saying anyone should go around being sort of like the comedy crusader. But uh, believe me when I tell you there wasn't a comic pissed off at Joe Rogan. Anyway. No, no. The only one that was mad was Joe Rogan got kicked out of the comedy store because at the time, the scene, that's when Carlos was so big. Right. He was That was drawing. like their yeah. number one guy. Right. So then Rogan got kicked out, but... Which I understand from the business That's side business. too, but yeah. I mean, you just gotta. The problem is club owners. They they have no. They don't care how. They don't respect the craft. They just want people to laugh. So if someone could go into LA Comedy Club doing my jokes better than me, even though I've been loyal to those guys for fucking from the start, they would be like, "Sorry, dude. Yeah, I gotta sell tickets and drinks. Yeah. Get the you know." Yeah. How about if a, how about if a comic is dead? You know that's yeah. funny. Well. That is it's funny. Still, it's a comic. It's, no. We've had this debate uh, about, uh, well, you can't use like Mitch Hedberg's jokes or something, but. Well, I mean, I, I, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. You know no, what no, I mean? no, like, no. But I know what you mean. Uh, what I'm but, saying is like in the local scene, there's, there's a comics that sometimes I think are going to kill themselves. And I joke about it like, man, I really helped him with that joke. If he dies, can I? <laughs> Got dibs, guys. Can, can we have a lottery yeah. off their jokes? But no, it, it, you can't do anyone else's jokes ever. I'm joking about that. But if, if you didn't write it, you shouldn't do it. And, and, and I mean, and really from a stand-up's perspective, the only people that do that are the people that are just so addicted only to the response. You know, yeah, yeah. all they care about they is laughter. They just want the attention. I mean, for me, look, <laughs> there's, we, we've talked about it ad nauseum. There's not a ton of benefits to being a comic. You know, the schedule's nice, uh, but the money's shit. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a lonely lifestyle a lot of the time. Unless you're in Cheyenne at Toblerfest. <laughs> uh, but uh, like the one satisfaction you get is I took nothing. I took a blank piece of paper uh, and I crafted something and it made 300 people react in the same way. Yeah. Like, that, like that to me is a rush that I can't compare to anything else I've ever done. Well, that's why, I mean, we're all arrogant and I think we're, we're a lot more talented musicians. Because if you go to a, a concert. Take that, Whitney. Way more talented to, than musicians. I mean, he can just play. He can play whatever he wants, and no one will ever call him on it. You know what I mean? If he, if he plays one of his songs and it goes shitty, then he could play Bon Jovi "Living on a Prayer," and the crowd will go crazy. But we can't do that. You know what I mean? I, can, I would love that, never, by the way, you if you would do that. A lot of people, you can clo you can cover, you know, and 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 if you're crowds that come to see a comic, they always want new shit. And crowds that yeah, go I to heard see that song before. Music. Musicians are like, play the shit I heard before. All they want yeah. is that shit. They could hear right. that song the rest of their life. If you if people come to me, oh man, I heard that joke before. But have you I'm, heard? I've seen where people in a crowd have yelled out to a comic, "Do the <laughs> yeah, play. yeah." If you're famous, yeah, I, I, I've I mean, been to Chris Rock shows and people yell out, "Do yeah. the salad man." He's like, dude, that was 16 years ago. Let me do something else. I just think it's so much harder because you can't. You know, a lot of music sounds the same, but just like we said, if I have a joke that sounds like here's I fucked. And but every music, there's once you're in that genre, everything sounds the same. Right. Another question from the chat: If somebody, if a comic hears a joke that he wants to use, can he then just go to the guy and say, "Hey, can I pay you to use that joke?" Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you yeah. can. I mean, 
Yeah, I know. I mean, there's a lot of famous people that buy jokes. But sure. they don't really buy them like that, but they have a team of writers that... Which is... In, which in, is a great job, yeah. yeah I think so. And, and you know what? A lot of comics look down on that. And I've never really thought that way. I mean, there, there's two sort of distinct parts of stand-up, right? There's a writing aspect and there's a performing aspect. And if you're really good at one and not that good at the other, what's wrong? Like, no one ever gets yeah. mad at a, at, a, at a comic who writes jokes for somebody else. But if you're a comic who's a good performer... Uh, and you buy a joke, suddenly you're looked down upon. I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. You're doing it legit. Uh, you're paying people. Uh, it's. I think it's. I think it's yeah, fine. I mean, I don't. I would. I'd rather write my own shit. But Me too. Like I, I mean, wouldn't do it. But. but but I think a lot of these guys, they get to a point where they're. You don't have the time. Like Larry the Cable Guy, he's filming, doing this and that. Yeah. How many more experiences can Chris Rock really have? Yeah. <laughs> you know well, I mean? yeah. That too. Exactly. What do you write about? Exactly. No one want, A crowd doesn't want to hear about Chris Rock fucking eating bad caviar in the Hamptons. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like Chris Rock as, doesn't yeah. talk about it. It's like, oh, I was, my jet, we, we, we were on the runway. And they're like, who, <laughs> exactly. no one wants to hear that shit. Right. You know what I mean? Like, anyway. All right. Well, there it is. That's, uh, that's two comics uh, talking about the highs and lows immediately after each other. We got to get you out of here. You've got to go oh, yeah. make dozens of people laugh uh, and, and drink seven uh, more of those. Uh, so, uh, so let's get out of here. Brant Tobler back. Glad to have you. Uh, of course, we want you guys to continue uh, staying involved with the show. Email us questions, topics, comments uh, at uh, awkwardatvegasvideonetwork.com. You can always hang out and, uh, and do the live chat with us. Uh, live six o'clock. What? Do the live show. What did I say? Live chat. No, I mean they can come live and watch. Oh, and yeah, both of them happen at the same time, whether you want to chat or, or watch us live, 6 o'clock Pacific, uh, right here in the fabulous uh, Vegas Video Network studios. Uh, and, of course, subscribe to the show via iTunes. Next week, do not miss next week's show, Todd Paul, a local Vegas headliner, is going to be here. That guy's uh, really Very funny. Very funny. Very funny, and he's got kind of a cool story and, and, uh, and background, so I'm really looking forward to... Unless he gets hurt. <laughs> so unless he, so unless he's you know skipping down Fremont Street, we should see him. Uh, all right, everybody, thanks for hanging out. Goodbye.